Good morning. It's great to be with you. My name is Wade. I'm the pastor of these awesome students here. It's college students 24-7. And it's great to be worshiping Jesus with you. As we turn to the word, let's remember that we don't stop worshiping. Worship is not just singing songs, right? It's all of what we're doing here as a people of God on a Sunday gathering together in the name of Jesus. So we're going to continue our series in the book of Genesis. And I was on a walk with one of my friends recently, and he said, Wade, this is awesome we're doing Genesis, but you got to remember, if you get Genesis wrong, you get the whole Bible wrong, you know? And it's true, actually, because Genesis really is the fountainhead. Well, it's the first book, but it's really the fountainhead of so much of what you see in the rest of the Bible. So maybe you're here today, and the Bible's new to you, and you've really not read much of the Bible. That's okay. It's great. Uh, I'm glad that you're in this series on Genesis, because it's a great way to introduce you to who is God? Who are we as humans? What does it mean to live in relationship with God? What does that mean for us in our work? And today we think about rest. What does it mean for our rest? And uh, that's what we're looking at. Uh, what we've seen in the past two sermons, right, in Genesis, is that God created the heavens and the earth and everything in between in six days. And we're going to see today is on the seventh day, God rested, what's known as the Sabbath rest. And so I'm going to read the text out loud. You can listen with me as I read read God's word. So hear now God's word to us today. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is God's word that's good for us, and it's given to us in love. So let's pray that we'd receive it as such. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We think of uh, our friends and your servants, Pastor Josh Casey at North Campus, Pastor Doug Fern at East Campus. We pray for those brothers right now. Would you empower them by your Holy Spirit to preach the word to the people of God for your glory. And I pray that you would use their sermons to edify that congregation, to shape them and mold them in Christ to learn what it means to be a community of rest. So bless them, I pray. And Lord, we think about our time here in this room. We pray that you would exalt Jesus from this text into our hearts for your glory. Help us by your Holy Spirit to see what you are speaking to us in this passage and help us receive this word as people ready to respond in loving obedience to your good word. So before I finish my prayer, would you please pray for yourself, pray for your own heart, that you would listen closely to what Jesus is saying to you and that you'd respond to him. Now please pray for me that I would depend on the Holy Spirit as I preach. Father, we love you, and it's for the sake of Jesus and his glory that we pray these things. Amen. Well, I love pastoring these college students, okay? And I really love praying for these college students. And sometimes what I'll do is I will text them randomly 
Most likely they're getting it mid-class. Sometimes I will call them on the phone and I go, well, what, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. You know, everything's all right. Just wondering how I can pray for you. And uh, so they'll text back, okay? Well, I did it recently, about a week and a half ago, two weeks. And, uh, and here's some of the text messages I received from them. Hey, wait, this semester has brought a lot of homework, so you could pray that I don't get too stressed about that. Hey, wait, I've been feeling a bit anxious about an upcoming leadership event, so just for anxiousness to be replaced with trust. Hey, Wade, please pray that I would give my anxieties to the Lord, mainly being about school stress and time management. Hey, Wade, I'm overwhelmed by stress right now. I'm currently weighed down with everything I have going on in my schedule and running on very little sleep. Hey, Wade, I would appreciate prayers for rest. It's getting to be midterm season, and with that, everything gets very busy. Sometimes I forget to take the time to truly rest in God's presence. Now, these texts came from 18 to 20-year-old, 22-year-olds, and that's only a very small percentage of us here. But I would assume the text messages I just read represent the majority of the people in this room. If I would have reached out to you in the past two weeks, maybe the past two months, or even the past two years of your life, and asked you, what do you need prayer for? How might I help you? I wonder if the primary res response would be, I'm anxious, I'm stressed, lots going on with the family, lots going on at work, can you pray for me? I need rest. We are a restless, restless people, aren't we? We are anxious. I mean, I just think of it, right? Google Calendar, that's what I use for my schedule management. You know, that's my little app, my little tool. And uh, some of you, you have Google Cal or something else, iCal, I don't know what it is. If you don't have an iPhone, you have your Samsung G35. And uh, so whatever it is for you. Here's the deal, right? Google Calendar, you can type in and make each different like thing a certain color. And for me, I color code different categories of so things with like meeting a student, it's usually red. And uh, if I have a staff meeting, yellow, et cetera, okay? If you look at my Google Calendar, it's like rainbow, okay? You know what that means? It means I'm busy. Now, if I looked at your Google Calendar or your iCal, whatever it is, I bet you'd be a rainbow if you did color coordination. But don't you find that? For basically when you wake up, the point when you go to sleep, you have those little blocks, just do, 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 do. We are a busy people, and we are restless in our soul. We are desperate for rest. And that, that is why you and me need to listen to Genesis 2, 1 to 3. Because in this text, we see that we worship and love the God who rests. And as his image bearers called to represent him and reflect him in the world, we ought to imitate our lives after his own, to rest. So here's what's going to happen, okay? There's a, uh, there's a pathway for our time together, okay? Three Ps, you ready? If you want to write this down, this is what I guess you'd call an outline or flow, whatever, okay? Here it is, okay? First, God's rest. It's a pattern for our lives, pattern, pattern for our lives. Second, it shows us the priority of our souls, pattern for our lives, priority of our souls, and it leads us to the person of rest. Pattern for our lives, priority of our souls, person of rest. Now, now please take note throughout, okay? Uh, in each of these three Ps, I'm going to ask a reflection question that you would take home with you, maybe tuck in the back pocket or in your phone, whatever it is for you. Write it down. And uh, these reflection questions are given to you. If you're in a community group, this is, that would be a great time to talk about them. 
okay? You're in a community group this week, uh, or around the family dinner table, or with your roommate, okay, as you guys hang out, whatever it is, okay? I'm, I'm gonna ask three questions, okay? One for each P, okay? Pattern, priority, person. And, uh, and just write, write them down, and just think about them. Because here's the reality, right? Uh, you, I can't accomplish everything through one sermon, right? Nor can I have like one-on-one counseling with every single one of you, right? I'm, I'm, I'm busy enough, okay? But here's the deal, okay? If we are writing down, down these questions, what can happen, right, is as I speak, there's like, you know, sound thingies going, bouncing off the wall, reverberating off the walls, right, into your eardrums. And that's what, that's what really God's word should be on a Sunday, is God's word spoken and little, what are they called, the sound thingies, bouncing off the walls, the sound vibes, and uh, I know you're like, you're like, this is what it is. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to refuse to listen to you right now, okay? Uh, I'm just going to be foolish up here. But you listen to you, right? It needs to rever- reverberate, all right? And that's what we need to do on Sunday morning, okay? Is as God's word is spoken, it ought to be the beginning of multiple conversations that happen throughout the week based on God's word preached on Sunday where God's word reverberates between one another, okay? So that's my hope with these questions that it would allow us for God's word to kind of bounce among us, and shape our lives. All right, here we go. Number one, okay, right? God's pattern, God's rest is a pattern for our lives. Look down with me at verse one. It says this, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. Now this verse indicates the conclusion of everything that's happened before in Genesis one. In fact, the wording here is very similar to the first chapter, first verse of chapter one. If you look at chapter one of Genesis one, verse one, you scroll up, or if you go to your Bibles, what does it say? It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So now we are here in chapter 2, verse 1, and it says the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. So basically, chapter 2, verse 1, is a summary of what's happened before. In six days, God made heavens, earth, all the host of them, meaning everything included. And so after six glorious days of work to create heaven and earth and all the stuff included in them, look what happens. Verse 2 and 3, look down with me and listen very closely. You will see the main point of the passage is actually very simple to understand. Bible, oftentimes, is actually not really hard to understand. Ready? Here we go. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done. Now, what words or phrases are repeated most in verses 2 and 3? Well, seventh day is repeated three times. God rested, repeated twice. And from the work he had done is repeated three times. So, add each of those up, and what do you get? You get the meaning of Genesis 2, 1 to 3, which is, on the seventh day, God rested from the work he had done in creation. Great, that's the sermon. Let's pray. No, okay? Because at this point, you're probably asking, that's a nice idea, Wade. But what does that mean for my everyday life in the midst of my busyness and the restlessness that I so often experience? Well, great question. Now remember, Genesis was written to the people of Israel, okay? Most likely, it was probably given to them before they entered the promised land in the book of Joshua. And if you were an ancient Israelite, hearing Genesis 2, 1 to 3 for the first time, what do you think you would be thinking to yourself? Well, let's think about context. Context is super important when you read the Bible, right? If you remember, what's the passage immediately before this one? What happens on the sixth day? 
On the sixth day, God creates humans to be his image bearers. And like Doug said last week, that means we are to connect and reflect, okay? We are to be God's representatives, which means several different things. But one thing for sure it would have meant for an ancient Israelite is to be a representative of God, is to pattern my life after the Lord that I love. To pattern my life, to imitate him, to model my life after him. And what is it that they see their Lord doing their God and their king. What, what is he doing in this passage? Well, he works six days, and then he rests. So then what would be the conclusion you would have? Conclusion you would have would be, oh, there's a pattern that ought to be in my life. If I'm made in the image of the God who works and then rests, I ought to be the type of person that works and then rests. We see that throughout the Old Testament. In Exodus 20, Exodus tells a story of God's people being rescued from uh, slavery in Egypt and then brought to Mount Sinai where God makes a covenant with them, a relationship of love and responsive obedience. And he gives them a law, okay? Many of us know it. it's called the Ten Commandments, right? Well, what's the fourth commandment? It's a Sabbath commandment where it says that we must rest from the labor on the seventh day because God rested from his labor on the seventh day. So God's pattern ought to be the pattern of his people. Now, what does this rest, what does it mean? What does it look like? Look down at verse 3 very closely. Verse 3 says what? So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Blessing and holy. Now, if you're new to the Bible, Hearing words like blessing or make it holy, it just sounds like religious jargon, really, that really don't mean much to us. So what's going on here? Well, these words are really crucial for understanding the type of rest that God is calling us into. Old Testament scholar Willem van Gemeren says it like this. Blessing is associated with God's gift of potentiality and vitality. And to make something holy is the act of setting something apart, for a special use. So what we see God doing here is resting from work and setting this day apart for a special purpose. Which means, it means this, okay? He continues, resting from work is a form of trusting and honoring God, setting apart time to him while also experiencing his blessing. Lean in here, listen to this. God can do more with our six days than we can do with all seven. So we can and should rest in him. So we ought to model our lives after the Lord's pattern here. But when we rest, we are, we are saying something, we might say. We are saying something to the world, and it's this. It is that I trust that the Lord can do something in my life and through my life that I cannot do just if I did seven days of work all the time. I am trusting in the Lord's provision. So we see God's pattern of work and rest ought to be our pattern. So here's a reflection question, okay? Write it down, type in, whatever it is, okay? Reflection question is this. How can I rest in a way that reveals that I trust that God will ultimately provide for me? How can I make sure I rest in a way that reveals that I trust that God will ultimately provide for me? Now let me emphasize something, okay? It's not my intention here to decide for you if that means on every Sunday you don't do any work. Okay, some of you might be aware of this, but this whole idea of Sabbath, right, can oftentimes be a little bit divisive in the church. 
And uh, some people, oh, can I play Frisbee but not tennis? Can I read Lord of the Rings and not Harry Potter? Oh, of course you read Lord of the Rings, okay? Um, And, uh, you know, we ask these, okay, let me get legalistic, okay? Now, the reality is people with a strong love for Jesus and a real serious commitment to the Word of God disagree on this issue, and that's okay. That's okay. Maybe some of us in here disagree with different stances that we would take. Okay. But one thing is for certain, Parkview, is this. If we forsake rest as people made in God's image, the image of the God who works in rest, if we forsake rest, things will go badly for us. It is like, it's like a battery trying to function when it doesn't get recharged. If you don't charge this thing, newsflash for you, it will break down. It won't work. A human without rest is like a battery that doesn't get recharged. We are not designed to work, work, work with no rhythm of rest. So how can we rest in a way that reveals our trust that the Lord will provide what we need? Now, so far, maybe these are like really nice ideas. Oh, great, wait. Okay, so God's pattern, my pattern. He works, rest. I should work and rest. That's great. Now, root it down into my everyday life. Okay, I'm going to try. Here we go. Ready? Imagine if you're a student at the University of Iowa. Okay? You have a full course load and a part-time job and three exams this week. Wow, busy. Maybe you have four or five. Okay, first, this is, this is what it could look like, okay? First is work hard. Work hard. Work and study well. The Lord's given you a brain. Use the brain that he's given you and study and use your time well. And remind yourself, okay, that Jesus died and rose again, not just to deal with your soul problems, but to deal with every problem in your life, including how to use time. And so what it means for you is that you set up a schedule in your life to work hard and don't procrastinate by checking on YouTube for the latest Jimmy Fallon video or whatever it is for you, okay? Now, again, if you're not a University of Iowa student, this still applies for you, right? We all have ways in our work life where it's easy for us to kind of be like, busy, lazy, sort of, right? Where we're like, we work, but not really work. We're like there, but we like are constantly checking out because we're checking stuff on Facebook, whatever it is, right? We're so easily distracted, but work hard. Now, again, we're going to talk about work next week, so I won't keep going to that, but work hard. But second, when the weekend hits, don't numb yourself with mindless entertainment or video games. Really rest. Give yourself space to connect to the Lord. Now, I know you're crazy busy, But try to set a time, set aside a certain amount of time to fill your spiritual tank with friendships, with unhurried, unrushed Bible reading, with unhurried, unrushed prayer time, and invest in growing in love for the Lord, okay? One article talked about this way. Think about yourself. What are the things that fill you with love for the Lord? What are the things that deplete you in your love for the Lord? What are those, what are your fillers and your depleters? Think about those in your life and try to orient a certain amount of time where you unplug from work and you plug into the things that fill your soul. It's going to be different for all of us, and that's great. But what are those things? Trust in God so much that you can take time off of studying. One of my graduate, uh, professors in graduate school said it like this. Some of you need to get a B for the kingdom of Jesus and for the sake of your soul. The same goes for all of us. Maybe some of us don't get that work promotion because by not overworking, our souls can grow in love for Jesus. We can care for our family better. 
I don't know what it is for you, but we all have reasons to overwork and to overbusy ourselves so much that we forsake what's most important. And this is where we turn to the second thing. This pattern teaches us what ought to be our priority. Now, we've mentioned this already, but the priority that this Sabbath teaches us is that we must value what the Lord values. In Genesis 2, 1 to 3, God rests from work that he had done in creation, and he sets apart this day as blessed and good, okay? Which shows, get this, that there's something more to being God than just working, okay? There's something more to God's being than just working. Therefore, if you're made in God's image, there's more to you than the work that you do. There's more things fundamental to who you are than the stuff that you produce. God is not a 24-7 production machine, and neither are you and neither am I. You see, in our culture, the main message we often get is what you do is more important than who you are. If you meet someone new, First question, what's your name? Second question, what do you do? Now again, what you do is important. Work is awesome. We're going to learn that next week. But work is not the ultimate thing. Productivity, our culture says, is more important than the posture of your heart. Capability in a job is more important than your character. Your skills are more important than your soul. That's the message that our culture is speaking to us every day. But the message of Genesis 2, 1 to 3 confronts that lie of culture and encourages God's people to see there's more to life than work. Do you and I believe this, Parkview? That you and I are more than our work, that a day of rest is given to us by God to rescue us from the treadmill existence of busyness and overwork. And just think of it real quick, right? If you tend to your soul, you will become a better worker. One thing I've learned so far, being a pastor, is that if I, if I neglect uh, my inner life, my external life just begins to break down. I'm a more productive person. I'm more present in meetings. I'm more helpful. I'm more energetic in serving other people when my tank is being filled up with Christ. If I forsake my soul for the sake of just doing more, the stuff I'm doing more actually decreases in excellence. Maybe some of you are here today and you're 17 years into a career and it's not going the way that you'd imagine. I wonder if the Lord's love for you today is to just shift your trajectory right now because maybe you've bought into the live culture that the 17 years of your life so far that you need to be the type of person who just produces, produces, produces. Gotta do something, gotta do the next thing and it's making it worse. Maybe the Lord's love for you through Genesis 2, 1 to 3 is that you can rest. And you can rest and trust that in that time that you engage in growing in your character and love for the Lord, it's actually going to produce something more beautiful and more vibrant than what's happening right now in your career. So if reflection question is this, okay? Reflection question for number two in terms of priority is this. How can my schedule reflect that I value my soul and love for Jesus as much as I do my work? How can my schedule reflect that I value my soul and love for Jesus as much, we might even say, more so, probably, that's what we should say, more so than I do my work. Now again, this is going to look different for different people, but here's how, what this might look for you. A few guiding principles. Number one, start small, okay? Start small. Some of you think, a whole day off? Are you insane? You, have you seen my Google Cal rainbow? No, I haven't. But 
Here's the reality, okay? What if you just started small? What if, what if you took a little small step of obedience and sacrifice and you carved out from 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Saturdays, okay? And you didn't do, and, and you unplugged from this bad boy and you didn't go to the computer, you didn't check the email, you did, what are the things, right? I know I've noticed this, right? When you're like standing in like line for a burrito at Ponchero's or something, if I have not, I gotta do, I gotta check my email, I gotta do something on my phone. I gotta check myself, I gotta, what if you just unplugged and you just gave yourself 6 a.m., 12 p.m., okay? Or maybe you're like, oh, I think I can only do like four hours. Okay, then man, make those four hours awesome, all right? It's going to look different for different people, okay? Now, in those times, and I've already mentioned this, okay, two things, okay? Disconnect and connect. Disconnect and connect. Disconnect from distracting technology, okay? Five to six episodes of Netflix, I don't know if you've realized this, it doesn't actually feed your soul. How many times, I I still need to learn this, okay? How many times I finished, okay, well, just one more. Okay, well, just one more. Okay, just, and I'm just like, I'm just grumpy. I just want to go like hit a wall or something. I'm like, why did I just spend two and a half hours watching this show? It could be a good show, but I just don't, it doesn't fill me up. So un, unplug from distracting technology. Okay, maybe it's TV, maybe it's video games for some of you. I don't know what it would be, but unplug, disconnect, and then connect. And, and connect in two ways. Connect with God and connect with others, okay? Connect with God. Go for a walk outside. This is what it could look like for me, all right, oftentimes. Go outside. Thank God for particular blessings in your life right now, okay? Or walk outside with a favorite passage, Psalm 23, Colossians 3, Romans 8. I don't know. What's, what's the passage that you've always just loved? Go outside with that passage, without your phone, and just go for a walk. Look at the pa- Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, man, Lord, this past week, oh, I was so anxious. I just, I felt so discontent. I had this one meeting and this person said that, oh man, that was just, Lord, I, I need to bring that to you. You know, I think some of us, we, what happens is we, like we bring the emotional leftovers of our work week into our weekends and our kids are wondering why we're so frustrated or our spouse is like, why are you so angry? Or our roommate is like, why are you so discontent? It's because we're still, we haven't yet turned over those things to the Lord and let him do his good work in us as we're reflecting in prayer over Scripture. Yeah, so it looks like for you, okay? But connect with people as well, right? Don't, don't just feel like you have to do it alone. Maybe there's people in your life that just nourish your soul, and you just love being with them. Maybe it's a physical activity that you do with them, okay? Right now, I'm loving pickleball, all right? America's fastest growing sport. Uh, and uh, I play pickleball with some of my friends. It's amazing. I, just, I feel so nourished. I have so much fun, and uh, it's just a great way to unplug and just to enjoy God's creation, or maybe means serving someone that you know in your life who's going through a time of pain or sorrow. I don't know. Each of us is going to look differently, but I know for sure the message of Genesis 2, 1 to 3 is that we must set aside time to intentionally prioritize growing our souls in love for God. Because if we forsake our souls, it will damage every other area of our life. There's no other way around it. It's what will happen. And so Jesus, in love for you right now, Parkview, he's telling you to take your soul seriously. In a culture that trivializes everything, in a culture that makes you want to go busy, the word of God says, no, no, no. Tend your soul in love for the Lord. Say you're a 45-year-old professional who needs to work long hours. What, what does that look like right now? You gotta, gotta work hard. You gotta provide for your family. What could it look like for you right now? Well, ask yourself, 
some questions. Maybe again, pull up the Google Calendar, sit down with your family, and ask yourselves your question. These are not the reflection questions, okay? The reflection question I've already mentioned. This is just a different thing. This is kind of more particular for those of you who are just going crazy right now with how busy you are, right? Jimmy is in 15 sports, and Sarah is like in 12 different clubs, right? And you're just like, ah! You're right. Okay, sit down maybe this weekend, maybe this afternoon, sometime this week, ask yourself these questions. What can we sacrifice during the week in order to make space for unhurried, restful love for Jesus as a whole family? Another question you could ask, do we have space in our Google Cows to cultivate friendships with other people who know both the joys and burdens of our souls? I wonder how many people in this room, does someone know that particular temptation that you keep being lured by right now? Do you have a friend that knows that about you? Do you have time in your schedule to create a friendship where someone could know that about you? Do you have time for those type of friendships? Another question you could ask is, are we setting enough time aside to enjoy family life together? And when we are together, are we all present? Or are we present but alone as we're all on our devices and iPads and computer screens that we're there but we're actually not there? Are there times and spaces where we're eating a meal together without ding, buzz, email, what, you know, right? Disconnect and eyeballs. Look at each other in the eyes. Ask questions. Hey, honey, I remember last, this past week, you had a project at school. How did that go? Hey, I remember you telling me there was, there was a meeting that you had uh, two days ago with that, with that coworker that was challenging. Did that, how did that go? how the Lord could develop us into be families of rich culture of love, generosity, and training our, our kids who are growing up addicted to these things to see there's more than just screens to life. It's connecting with people in deep relationships. Overall, what does our weekly schedule tell us about ourselves? What are we prioritizing? Another person that's here, okay? I know the kids are maybe in here. Are the kids here? Maybe if you're a third grader, okay, you're a little kid, and you find during the week, ah, you're so busy, you got classes, you got school to go to, you got your sport, and you're just so tired, and it's hard for you to pray. You know what? It's hard for me to pray too. It's really hard to pray, because sometimes I get so distracted. Don't you find, right? You can get distracted too. Well, maybe as a little kid, uh, here's some things you could do. What if this afternoon and each Sunday, you went on a little walk with mommy and daddy or with grandma and grandpa. And you just asked them, hey, can we just say out loud, what are some things that we love about Jesus? Or what are some things that we're thankful for? Or can we pray out loud about some things that my friends are having a hard time with? And can we just talk to Jesus out loud? Maybe you could do that with grandma, grandpa, or mom or dad, whoever it is, okay? Or maybe for some of you, it's getting your favorite colored pencils and getting a blank sheet of paper, and there's a story that you heard this past week about Jesus. And maybe what it means for you to, to, to connect with Jesus, to pray to Jesus, is just drawing out those pictures, right? And using the red and using the blue. I know for me, it's all about the rainbows, you know? So uh, maybe that's what it is for you. Okay? I don't know. But maybe for you as a little kid, you also can connect with Jesus, right? You know, Jesus wants to love you. Jesus wants to have your soul rest in him. And so maybe those are some things that, that could help you learn how to rest and, and bring some of those cares, right? As little, oh, we can be so anxious. And you can bring those things to Jesus. He wants to hear about those things. Maybe you're a stay-at-home parent 
and you got three kids, and right now it's crazy. And it feels like there's no time to rest, okay? Life with Haddon, the Yurig household, has created some issues with resting, okay? I won't lie. Now, what if you identified a trusted member in your community group, okay? And you say, hey, two to three hours on Thursday afternoon, I just need you to come to the house, and could you just watch the kids, and I just need to go to Starbucks with my Bible and my journal and just get some time to unplug, okay? Or you talk with your spouse and you say, okay, hey, okay, I'm, I'll have the kids on Saturday morning and then you have the kids on Saturday afternoon. And while I have the kids, you go out and just go on a prayer walk. And when you, and then when you, I go on a prayer walk, right? I don't know. What's it going to look like for you? What's it going to look, Parkview, to, to, to take your growth and love for Jesus seriously, to prioritize what the Lord prioritizes? The Sabbath rest is not is not meant to crush you, but to free you so you can become all that you are meant to be. Parkview, you know yourself best, but remember, it's about setting aside times intentionally to grow in love for the Lord. Genesis 2, 1 to 3 reveals a God who loves you so much that he wants this to be a value for you so that he, he can meet with you and grow you and mature you. That's number two. It's a priority, right? Sabbath teaches us what's most valuable. And the reflection question is, how can my schedule reflect that I value the growth of my soul and love for Jesus? All right, that's the reflection question. Now, <clears throat> here's the deal, right? Many of us here, maybe we're just masters of our schedule and we're the best at resting. And we have time in our, in our schedule and we, we rest all the time. And but, but still, if you're honest, you look within your heart and you're like, ah, I'm still anxious. I'm still restless. I still feel like I can't find the, the, the RPMs of my heart. They just won't settle down, Wade. Why is that? Well, author Timothy Keller says that so often in our lives, there is a work underneath the work. It's that we work so hard to, to prove ourselves. We're working so hard to find that it, right? What, what is it? It's that sense of the okayness, that enoughness. And so what we do is we overburden our lives. We get busy with stuff to do because we're pursuing this it. We feel like if we could just work hard enough, if we could add more stuff, we could find that sense of peace and rest. Claire knows what it's like. And when I get anxious about something, I'll just start cleaning the house. I don't know what it is, okay? Vacuum, Swiffer. She knows, uh-oh, you know, something's going on with Wade. It's because I feel like I can just, if I do something, it'll calm what's going on inside. Newsflash, it never works. It never works. Or the time my friend asked me in grad school, Wade, why do you feel so much pressure to get A's? And my response was, because I feel like I'm doing something wrong if I don't. There's something underneath all of that work, all of that busyness. It's this sense of I gotta do something, I gotta produce something, I've gotta, I've gotta be enough, do enough. That pursuing that it. We work so hard to prove that we are lovable. But look, look again at Genesis 2, 1 to 3. This is why it's such good news. Look at verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done and rest on the seventh day from the work that he had done in creation. See the pattern? God finishes the work and then rests. And in his rest, he's inviting us to rest. He finishes the work, the result is we get to rest. This is the very same thing we see with Jesus, right? When Jesus crucified, what does he say? He cries out, it is finished. It, 
is finished. What is finished? That work, that, that sense of having to do something, produce something, or to be enough. That it, it, it's finished. The peace we're longing for, the work that's needed for that rest, Jesus is the person of rest. True rest is found in him. Claire and I have a baby boy, Had, and I mentioned that earlier, right? He'll wake up from naps, and he just, you know, right? And then you unwrap him, and this is what happens, okay? Like that. And then, not his left leg, but this is his right leg, okay? And he just goes crazy, and he's just fussing about. And, 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 he's, and he's so squirmy, and he's so restless. Do you know what he needs in those moments to calm down? He needs to be the assured of the presence of the one who loves him, that the one who loves him will provide everything that he needs, right? So I pick him up. I love you. It's okay. Parky, maybe that's what you need from Christ today. The one who holds you, the one who says to you, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, all you who are restless. I'll give you rest. Perfect, it is finished. Jesus has done the work. Jesus has done what is necessary to give you peace with God. Jesus has already done the work for you. What if you're already loved? What if the rest you need is already yours? What if the work to prove yourself, to make something of yourself, what if it's already finished? It's already given to you in Jesus. You know, do you know what it takes for Haddon to rest? You know what it takes? It takes hard work. It takes Claire changing his diaper. It takes Claire feeding him. It takes Claire going on a walk. It just, it takes, someone's got to work hard if Haddon's going to rest. Someone's got to work if we're going to rest. Jesus has done the work, Parkview. Jesus has done the work to make you right with God. He's done the ultimate work of giving you that enoughness, right? Because it's in that right relation with God that he has done for you. He's done the work so you can rest. Andrew Peterson in his song, Rest Easy, he says it like this. You don't have to work so hard. You can rest easy. You don't have to prove yourself. You're already mine. You don't have to hide your heart. I already love you. I hold it in mine. You can rest easy. So here's a reflection question for number three. Am I experiencing the true rest in Jesus today? Am I experiencing true rest in Jesus today? And if not, why not? Is there something, Parkview, that you are looking for in your busyness, in your overactivity, in your work, in your career, that you're 23 years into that career and it's still not giving it to you. Maybe it's because it was never designed to give it to you because the work is finished, but you're trying to, oh, I gotta do, do more stuff. I gotta make that career. I have to have a certain amount of people say, wow, you're just an incredible, whatever it is, fill in the blank, blank, student or entrepreneur or mom or I ought to be enough. But what if the work's already finished? Christ on the cross, it is finished. Jesus did the work so that we can rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Sabbath rest. Father, I pray that as a community that we would respond to your word, Lord. Um, a lot of examples given here. I wonder if there's a few things that people can walk away with to implement into their lives, Lord, in response to your word. But ultimately, what we need to see is Jesus, the one who has come to us in our restlessness, and he has done the work. It is finished so that we can rest, so we can actually find peace with God. Lord, would you convince our hearts of that? And as we sing, 
Would you bring that home? I pray for the glory of Jesus. Amen.